Lays it into Trey. Two seconds wide. Trey Slaughter. Hello and welcome back to the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks Team Coverage Podcast, formerly known as Hoopball Hawks, where we cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, recording live from Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm recording this on January 17th, MLK Day. Happy MLK Day to everybody, and we forever Give thanks to a man who inspired a movement for equality and equitable change for all people in this nation. And we still push and fight today for it. And the Hawks are showing more fight in the last two games, but still change is needed for the Atlanta Hawks as they continue to fall short in games and fell short in back-to-back games in a back-to-back down in South Beach versus Miami and then flying back up here to Atlanta to take on the New York Knicks on Saturday and fall short again. As I said, their fight and effort have been better the last couple of games, but there are still lapses on the defensive end and the inability to get stops when needed and the lack of the third, fourth, fifth efforts it takes to win games and execute late down the stretch and they all these things have been common themes for the Atlanta Hawks this year and now they're in the midst of a 10 game losing streak at home have not won a game in Atlanta since November and with another home game later today for the MLK Day celebration here in Atlanta versus a tough and obviously the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks team injuries still plaguing his team it will be we will need a huge effort today in order to pull off the upset here in Atlanta. We're going to talk about some positives as of late. Not a lot, but some of the positives, the negatives, and the changes that need to be made on this team with the halfway point passing the Atlanta Hawks here in this 2021-2022 NBA season. But first, this plug. If you like losing money, turn this off right now. But if you love free band, free bands, just like Super Future, then keep listening. Sports betting is getting huge across the nation, and all of my homies love to bet on games. There are a bunch of sites out there for sports betting, but all of my homies love my bookie. Why? Because it's so easy to use. And since y'all my homies too, I'm going to plug you. All my homies listening right now can sign up for my bookie with the promo code Hoopball to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus. 100%, just like an A-plus in school. Hopefully you got them, but if not, this your chance to get 100%. You like playing blackjack? There are some very fun and free blackjack tournaments, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. There is so much that you can do on my bookie, and the best thing is, 
is that no cash is required to enter and you can win up to $100 in daily challenges and up to $1,000 in weekly tournaments. So you want a chance at free cash money? Then again, my homies, sign up with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus and try to score some, in the words of future, like I said earlier, free band, free band. All right, and we are back. We're gonna I'm not gonna dive into the stats for the Miami New York games. I'm just gonna just again go over some of the positives, the very few in the last two games, and then the negative things that we continue to see, whether they're running themes for this entire season or isolated in these two games or in this this stretch that the Hawks are in right now with everything going on. We're gonna touch upon those before moving on to other conversations. In this podcast, for the Miami-New York games, I'm going to talk about the positives. As I said at the top of the program, the fight and effort, especially on the defensive end, has been better the last couple of games. They're more active on the defensive end, more attention to detail. They are certainly trying to fight, and they're having the mentality that, hey, we're going to go and play better on defense, and it's translated to play. Now, has it been a full 48 minutes? No. But they are going in the right direction, but those changes need to continue to happen and happen faster and be sustainable amongst a 48-minute NBA basketball game. Another positive is that with that same effort and fight, they've come back from large double-digit deficits in both of those games, although falling short in those games I liked what I've seen with the Hawks fighting, not giving up, not throwing in the towel like I've seen in several games where they've gotten behind the Nuggets game in Atlanta, amongst others that you can look to throughout the season where when they're down for the count, especially second, third quarter, they just throw in the towel. And they have not the last couple of games. I love seeing that from this Hawks team is showing some heart. It's showing that they're playing with some heart, which at times have been questioned this year. But it's going to take more than heart and effort to win these games. And I'm going to talk about that on a negative side of things here shortly. Gallinari in both of the games have been playing great, averaging 17.5 points, shooting 46% from three off the bench. And it seems like the episode that I talked about we need to trade Danilo Gallinari, get off his contract. He's been playing much better. Maybe the comments from the GM, a change needs to be made. And obviously people can look at Gallo's age, his, you know, ineffectiveness on a defensive end, let's just say that. And again, like I said, his large contract that he's dude and say, hey, maybe we need to move off of him. He's been playing well off the bench. He's definitely been a lift in a spark for them, knocking down threes, facing up defenders, and knocking down jump shots in their face. I like seeing I like seeing this from Gallo because we know that he's capable of doing it, but it's tough late in games that he's on the court and we know the liability that he is on the defensive end. So got to give you, you know, some praise, but a dose of reality there. The Hawks bench has been playing much better the last couple of games. On Saturday, they outscored the Knicks bench 
45 to 18 and gave the Hawks a chance down the stretch to potentially win that game. They cut the deficit down to three, hand the baton off to the starters, and they fumbled the bag down the stretch. But the bench has certainly stepped up playing with more energy and effort, especially on the defensive end. And their defense is turning into easier opportunities in the offensive end. So I've liked seeing that from the bench as of late. I wish the starters could have that same energy and attention to detail as the players coming off the bench for the Hawks. The energy and effort for Okongu and Hunter on the defensive end especially have been great. It's been great to see Hunter back. His stroke looks good. Now, he was spotty in that New York game, but it's great to have DeAndre Hunter back. We know he's going to give energy and effort on the defensive end no matter what. Okongu, the same way. Great plays, monster blocks, two on Julius Randle. And certainly was the energizer bunny for the crowd here in Atlanta and for this Hawks team. And that energy and effort is inspiring, but it was short-lived because, again, passed the baton to the starters from the bag. And, I again, as I said, Hunter is, you know, getting back into form offensively. His three-point shot was looking really good the first couple of games. And he always gives that effort on the defensive end to win games and, he will be inconsistent on offense because he was happy to be back. But now that he's back, playing games, conditioning, cardio, all that is going to be, you know, a work in progress for DeAndre Hunter. But we're going to certainly be better, especially defensively going forward, having a Congo and Hunter on the floor. With Hunter, I love his aggressiveness on the defensive end and offensively with his game, getting to the mid-range, not being afraid to take those tough contested jump shots and knock them down. He's going to be huge going forward. And Okongwu continuing to give that effort on the defensive end, continuing to finish around the rim. Their growth is going to be essential for this Hawks team this year if they're going to make a run to get back into the playoffs and obviously beyond because I see those two players being part of this timeline for this Atlanta Hawks team going forward. So, as I said, not a, a lot of positives, but I want to touch on those positives before I get into the negatives. Everybody talking about this late game execution. They've been fumbling the bag down the stretch, have opportunities to win games against Miami, against New York, and then down the stretch, poor shot selection, costly turnovers, lapses in judgment and decision making, whether it's Trey Young, whether it's others, bad calls, and not getting stops in crucial moments of games is what's been killing the Hawks team. I just basically grouped together late game execution, inability to get crucial stops, and that's one big negative big negative perimeter defending has also been an issue especially the last two three months with the wing defenders being in and out of the lineup especially those who were touted as being our perimeter defenders hunter reddish among others obviously reddish is no longer on our team but they are inconsistent as far as running teams off the three-point line and forcing teams into either tough contested jump shots or pushing them further back off the three-point line for harder shots to make 
And teams have just been efficient shooting the three ball against the Atlanta Hawks. And certainly, like in the Miami game here in Atlanta, and then obviously down in South Beach, the threes were just so timely. I attribute that to just coaching and, you know, situational awareness. Again, I keep saying this. If you have an elite three-point shooter like a Tyler, Tyler Hero, like a Duncan Robinson, Max Struss, who's been hitting a lot of threes for Miami, and then people who may not be great three-point shooters for the Knicks, but if they're setting a screen to open up a three-point shooter, you got to go over the screen. You can't go under. You go under that split second. You go under gives them a clean look to knock down that jump shot. That is coaching, and I know they probably do coach that. So then that's on the players as far as execution. Got to get better at that. That's still a running theme for this Hawks team. Questionable shot selection at times is another negative. Trey Young does this, tries to match three-pointers for the other side instead of just running the offense, find the best look within that offensive set and within what the defense is giving you. They're just trying to force opportunities instead of sitting down and running the offense. That's been a running theme for him. A lot of people, you know, critique Cam Reddish in doing that. And he's no longer on the team. We cannot blame him. Trey Young as the leader. You are the primary ball handler, you know, decision maker in the offense. Is that fair at times? No. But with great power comes great responsibility. Shout out to the, the new Spider-Man. Great, great movie if you have not seen it. But that is on Trey Young as the leader and the superstar of the team to, yes, pick your moments, but be aware of the situation. Be aware of matchups. Look at the defense. See what you can take advantage of. Who needs the ball? Who do you trust? And I'm going to talk a little bit about that as far as who can you trust. Because sometimes a questionable shot selection is a lack of trust in the people around you. If you are Trey Young, we're going to talk a little bit about that a little later in the program. Kevin Herter is shooting too many threes right now. I would love for them to feature him more in a mid-range game and not just relegate him to a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter because he's more than that. We've seen that. We've seen when he gets the ball and he's able to penetrate, get it to the mid-range game, find the spot, he can knock down a mid-range jumper. We know that he can get to the rim and finish. We know that he can get to the free throw line. When he gets to the free throw line, makes free throws. He needs to be featured in that role. Triple threat score like we keep, what I kept saying that Cam Reddish needed to do, Kevin Herter was doing, but sometimes the offense in a role that they put Herter in, they force him to catch and shoot opportunities. And that's something that needs to change going forward. And this next thing is a negative. It's a positive because we weren't shooting a lot of threes earlier. But now we're shooting more threes. But we're getting caught up in trading baskets instead of running the offense to get those clean three-point looks. As I said before, forcing those opportunities from behind the three-point line, not getting the best look at three instead of running your offense. That has been a negative for this Hawks team. Rebounding and points in the paint given up without Clint Capella. That has been a negative as of late. And shout out to a friend of the program, Glenn Willis, a contributor 
at Peachtree Hoops. And Twitter is at Willis underscore Glenn. Follow him. He speaks facts. He speaks facts. I retweet a lot of his tweets because he is speaking the truth. And he wrote a piece a few days ago that was speaking the truth about the last couple of games, giving some sugar but some salt with the Hawks play. And he put out a tweet listing some things, talking about, you know, rebounding, points in the paint, defending when it comes to Capella, Okongu, and Hunter. And these are great points because the Hawks are terrible defensively, 28th in defensive rating in the NBA. But going into this year, these were the things that we were counting on for the Hawks to be better on a defensive end. And Glenn put out, we were counting on 48 good minutes of defense from Capella and Okongu at the center position. We were counting on that. Obviously, Okongu came into the season with an injury, missing three months before obviously getting his start in December. Capella's been in and out of the lineup now this year. We were counting on DeAndre Hunter being available and taking on the best defensive assignment on the perimeter for the other team. Obviously, he having wrist surgery, being hurt, and now he's back has factored into us not being great on the defensive end. And these these were staggering statistics. Capella and Okongu have only appeared in four games together this year. And then the trio of Capella, Okongu, and DeAndre Hunter have only appeared together in a game, in no games this year. We have had zero Capello, Double O, and Hunter games this year. And then when we had Reddish, who was another good perimeter defender, we didn't have any games with all four of them on the court. And I'm thankful for Glenn pointing that out because we were banking on those three players making a huge pack impact on the defensive end. And we have not had them available, especially together to build continuity on the defensive end. And it sucks when you don't have your best defenders out on the floor together or available all year. And then it comes down to mentally the guys who are, who are available and playing to step it up in place of those guys who are not available and they have to step up offensively, but defensively as well. They have to take the challenge and say, Hey, we have these guys who are great defenders out. It is our responsibility to step into those roles and just do our assignment defensively, do our assignment offensively, you know, have the mentality that, hey, we're going to play sound team defense for 48 minutes because when you have those pieces missing, it is going to take a team effort for everyone to fill in those roles for 48 minutes. And we have not seen that from this Hawks team taking the onus and responsibility on themselves to step up for those who are not in those roles who make their job's easier on the defensive end and easier offensively. You have to step up and put more attention to detail on the defensive end and pick your spots offensively. Do not hesitate when you get the opportunity. You know, take the shot within the flow of the offense and so forth. So those things have been very frustrating. And then the inconsistency in John Collins' touches has been and negative in the last couple of games and a negative throughout the entire season. So, and one thing I wanted to talk about was Danilo Gallinari's comments this past week. 
giving an explanation for where the Hawks are right now, uh, lack of late game execution, defense, whatever you want to call it, the pecking order. The pecking order, he, he talked about the defined roles on his team are not clear. And this was his quote. He said, the explanation for the real statistic that sees us in the last place of the NBA is because there's no clear hierarchy or clear playing patterns for this team. Last year, they were much more defined. At the beginning, we were the worst team in the fourth quarter. But after the coaching change, we've come the best. It's something we can still do, but we have to improve when it comes to point-to-point -point matches. And it's essential to know who has the ball and which sets need to be called. There's a lot to unpack here. We've touched upon some of these in this episode and past episodes. And some things need to be addressed today. No clear hierarchy and clear playing patterns. I agree with that, especially offensively. They sometimes don't know what to do down the stretch. They just know we can do pick and roll, and that's it. There's a lot of standing around, not a lot of off-ball offensive movement. That is on the coaching staff. We have talked about that since last year, since before the Nate McMillan change. That, that's been an issue with this team, and they need an offensive coach to help clear that up a little bit more. If there are plays and sets ran for others or just – plays and sets ran for point-to-point -point matches, like he said. Instead of just forcing issue, they make a three. Oh, we need to shoot a three, too. Yeah, no, we need to run our offense and get people clean looks within the flow of the offense. We're not doing that this year, and it makes it confusing as far as, okay, who's going to get the ball this possession? What set are we running? There's no organization. There's no leadership there. That is an indictment on Coach Nate McMillan. That is an indictment on Trey Young, even though he has gotten better at making decisions on the ball as a primary ball distributor. But that's an indictment on Trey Young and his coaching staff from Gallo. And as I said, at times they do not seem to have a plan offensively. Again, that's on the staff. We do have personnel issues as well. Trey Young does not have that second star, the consistent go-to score. Why Chicago's having success? They've had the score in Zach Levine, who was getting all the touches in years past. Now you have Alonzo Ball, who is the primary distributor, the ball handler. But the other go-to score outside of Levine is DeMar DeRozan. The addition of DeMar DeRozan has been huge for this Bulls team, and that's why they are where they are in the Eastern Conference standing. I know in years past, I've talked about we should have gotten a DeMar DeRozan. A DeMar DeRozan would have been a great addition alongside a Trey Young. A lot of people knocked that, and now look at him shining in Chicago. He's a guy that you know can go get a bucket. You know when you get him the ball, he can go get a bucket. He can get to the free throw line, but he can also play make. We don't have that second consistent score next to Trey Young. It changes depending on the night and that goes back to Danilo Gallinari's comments about clear hierarchy and playing pattern we don't have that we don't have a streamlined offense we don't have a clear number one number two number three and so forth we have a number one and it varies from night to night that's a personnel issue and we haven't done a great job coaching wise of putting those players who are not the number one option into situations where they can have some consistency, have some rhythm 
and carve out a playing pattern that forces defenses to guard the other players more carefully and not just focus on Trey Young and making things harder on Trey Young. Could it be John Collins potentially as that second star go-to score if we ran more plays for him? Yes, but in that same breath, his inability to put the ball on the floor and attack the basket limits that, and he's therefore reduced to just catch-and-shoot three opportunities or the occasional post-up, which I'd like to see him get the ball more in the post, especially when he has those mismatches. We need to see them identify him, give him the ball, and let him go to work. We do it for Gallinari. Why don't we do it for Collins? That is on Nate McMillan. We need to address that if we're going to keep John Collins going forward, which I'm going to talk about here in a few. Bogey has to be available, and he has not been available. He is in and out of the lineup with injury, and then when he's in, he's so streaky, he's hard to trust. You give him opportunities, but, you know, he's either hot or he's not. And the only way to work out of slumps is to shoot. But then Hawks fans complain about him shooting too much. So you can't have your cake and eat it too. But Bogey has to be available. Capella isn't the guy that you run plays for outside of the pick and roll. And we utilize it for sure. We utilize the pick and roll, lob opportunities for Capella. But sometimes it's finishing around the rim is spotty. Which comes back to, yes, the staff, we need to run more plays to feature players outside of Trey Young throughout the game so that in crunch time, they still account for those players that they've been running plays for outside of Trey Young. And they can't just key in on Trey Young offensively, solo, you know, double teaming him, you know, putting a lot of on-ball pressure and forcing him to make a decision, make a play, or forcing turnovers, which we've seen that number rise as of late and that's why again i say a trade does need to be made we don't have a consistent second score that we can trust and there's a lot of pieces on this team especially offensively but all those pieces make it unclear as far as the hierarchy of who's going to get the ball who's that number two who's that number three that gallo is talking about and It is yet to be seen, but like I said, I expect a trade to happen for the Hawks, but it's yet to be seen when and who we're going to be trading with and for. Like I said, maybe you do go for Jeremy Grant to fill in that role, but he's not a star. He's not the the sexiest name out there. And if you do make that trade, I think you trade Gallo for him. Contracts matches up. Jeremy Grant's better defensively. He can score. He can get to the free throw line and make free throws as well. So maybe he'd be a great impact on his team. And maybe Detroit does decide to move him on so they can feature some of their younger guys they've drafted. And maybe the Hawks consider that move. As I said before, the money does match up with Gallo and Jeremy Grant. But the Hawks are still approaching luxury tax. And also, lineup-wise, if you get Jeremy Grant, who is bumped out, is it DeAndre Hunter? You know, there's some follow-up questions to be had if you make that Jeremy Grant trade. Karis LeVert, you know, he's a guy who's a bucket, but he's not great defensively. And injuries you have to worry about with him. C.J. McCollum, injuries 
are concerned as well, but he's a certified bucket next to Trey Young. Again, does not improve things defensively, but and and I think if you trade for a Levert or McCollum, you have to pair another player on that other team that is a good defender to 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 justify that trade. I don't know if Boston is willing to move off of Jalen Brown. I don't think they are, but he'd be a perfect fit in, my, fit in my opinion if he were made available for the trade deadline. I've mentioned Carl Anthony Towns on Twitter, but I think if you make a trade for Cat, that trade has to be in the offseason when you can trade Clint Capella. So we have to be patient as far as seeing who is going to be available during the trade deadline and who could be a huge impact for this team. But then again, time is running out. As I said before, we're past the halfway mark of the season. It's time to get it in gear now. Hawks are 17-25, and 12th in the Eastern Conference, 5-15 and 15 in the last 20 games. Mike Conti of 92.9 FM here in Atlanta tweeted that the Hawks have to go 24 and 16 in the final 40 games just to go 500 this year. Certainly, very disappointing start for the Hawks team with the high expectations and the success they had last year. And just looking, and again, I even said the window for the Hawks is the next five years. They have some things to build towards to be a championship level team. And this is growing pains. Like I said, we have an embarrassment of riches. A lot of guys who can score great role players, but not having that consistent second guy that you know is the guy in the hierarchy is something that needs to be worked out for the Hawks if they are going to be a championship team in the next five years. As I said, looking at the standings now, if you look at the Eastern Conference, 500 ball does not guarantee the Hawks a playing game spot at this point in the season in the Eastern Conference. So a lot of work needs to be done to play above that 24 and 16 mark that they need to go. And it's work that needs to be done on the court and off the court to turn this thing around. Again, as I said, I think we need to make a trade. Even though Gallo has been playing well as of late, his contract and his liability on the defensive end makes him a piece that potentially could go. I think if you send Gallo out, I think it opens up off the bench, Herter to be more of the focal point as the primary scorer offensively off the bench, which I think needs to happen more, give Herter that opportunity to be that guy to get into the mid-range, knock down the jumper, get to the free throw line, get to the cup, and shoot threes, and not just relegate him to this catch-and-shoot role. There is a report that the Hawks may make John Collins available if things do not turn around. I hope that's not the case, but certainly, I mean, we might have to consider that. Dallas is interested in John Collins, who, I mean, I don't know off that Mavericks roster who the Hawks would want. And they're obviously familiar trade partners, obviously the Luka and Trey trade. But I don't want to give up JC, but maybe it's something we consider, unfortunately. So a lot needs to be sorted out, and it doesn't get easier. The Bucks are in town tonight. Tough matchup, 6 p.m. tip-off on TNT without Capella or Bogey playing. Again, just tough draw. Bucks are fourth in the Eastern Conference right now. They're playing 500 ball as of the last 10 games, but Giannis and Middleton will be playing, and it's going to be tough sledding. Okongwu 
Gorgie Jang, Collins will all have their hands full with Giannis, and they all have to stay out of foul trouble. Have to stay out of foul trouble tonight. We have to crash the glass, and we have to keep the Bucks off the offensive glass, which has been an issue for the Hawks as well as of late. We cannot allow second chance opportunities because we will get buried by this Bucks team if we do. Giving them offensive rebounds, and then they kick it out to the three-point line and boom, knock down a three. I see the Hawks give that too much. They cannot give that up tonight as a Bucks team shooting about 36, 37% from three as a team. Love the matchup with DeAndre Hunter versus Middleton. That's going to be a fun one to watch. And I think this game is going to come down to bench play. Our bench must outplay their bench. It's going to come down to defensive execution. A monster game from Trey Young. I think the X factors offensively will be DeAndre Hunter and Herter. If both of those two can have solid games offensively, I think it gives us a chance. I think DeLon Wright and Lou Will will be huge off the bench if they can provide a lift offensively and setting things up for this bench to have some success tonight. Hawks will have a chance if they can do those things, but we will have to play with the same fight and effort the last two games, but we're going to have to figure out our identity down the stretch, execute late in games, and we will see if we can snap this 10-game home losing streak tonight versus the Bucks on TNT, but it's going to be an uphill battle. And if you love what you heard today, give us five stars, give us a good review, Share it and tell everybody about the hottest new podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks. Share this with fellow Hawks fans, NBA fans, basketball fans, Georgia sports fans. Does not matter. If you're a fan of Brad Harden, put them onto the show. If they're not a fan of Brad Harden, they're going to find out about me. Okay. But follow us on Twitter at Ethos Hawks on Twitter. That's at Ethos Hawks on Twitter. Follow myself, Brad Jarrett. 6-7 on Twitter. That is Brad J-A-R-R-E-T-T 6-7. I'm always going to keep it P, push it P on the program. Shout out to Gunner, future, Thugger. But I was going to be pushing P, going to be positive because I'm not a negative person. But things are certainly sour and negative here in Atlanta as far as for the Atlanta Hawks with the Braves winning the World Series, the Georgia Bulldogs winning the national title. Pressure is on the Hawks to turn things around because the state wants winners and they were a winning team last year. They're not a winning team this year. So we're going to certainly have to hit the reset button and push forward and have a miraculous stretch to end the season. So we're going to be here to cover it all. We'll catch you next episode.